right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. After the Celtics blow out the Bucks in a dominant fashion, ended up gassing them out, and the Celtics are now moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Lucas was there live to get the, a feel of the arena. How do you feel? How was the arena, man? How overall were you feeling the after that game? Well, you know, Pat, I told you, uh, you know, our last show that I felt really good about, you know, game seven. I thought the Celtics were going to come out with the victory, and they did. And, you know, I predicted a little bit of a closer game. I thought the Celtics would hold on the whole time and, you know, just, you know, kind of squeak by. Well, they held on in the first half and pretty much blew the doors off the Bucks there in that second half. Um, the Garden was on fire, man. It was amazing to be there. It's definitely my first Game 7 I've ever been at. So that was just an amazing experience all around, and I'm really glad that uh, Grant Williams had a Kelly Olynyk-esque Game 7 performance to take us home. No, Grant Grant was insane. Uh, I, think, I think we can stamp him as Batman now, right? If you have a Game 7 and you want to be called something now, and you you save a season like this to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, like I think he kind of has some type of say of becoming Batman. So I'm I'm okay now with well, Grant being. He was called asked Batman. about it in the presser, and she said, "Are you going to call yourself Batman now?" And he goes, "You know, he's like I'm probably done with that one until uh, some other people start to call me Batman." So Pat, maybe you can start the trend and get and get Grant's nickname being Batman. But uh, for now, for now, he's he's still he's still just Grant to me. <laughs> that's fair I, I mean he could be called batman i don't i don't have an issue with the name anymore Hawkeye, Pat, the way he was shooting oh, on, 18 that's honestly that's honestly probably a better composition for him as well um also i know you're at the game so i want to know if, were you there when they they were um chanting out deuce uh i heard that uh jason yes i heard yes, the sir, crowd so was uh yelling that. deuce when he was on uh yeah, so it was actually board. during the national anthem yeah, uh, they showed Deuce on the jumbotron, and then a section of the crowd just, you know, was like Deuce, which is pretty awesome. Uh, we got a couple beat the heat chants in there at the end. Uh, you know, no fu grace in this game here in Game Seven. I was a little shocked at they dropped that one. Uh, you know, left that behind at Game Five. But the crowd was on fire, especially when Peyton was, you know, Peyton Pritchard was doing his thing there in that third quarter. They really erupted. Right, and, and the crazy part is that this game didn't start out great. Like, this was not a, a fluid yeah, game. You're talking about the Bucks coming out on that 10-3 to 3 run to open the game, like three minutes and 30 seconds into the game. You got 1-3 that went down from Grant Williams, um, which was a, a good sign from early on, right? As soon as he hits that first one, I'm like, okay, Grant, Grant could definitely get going. Uh, you just want to see his first couple go in. And then uh, the Bucks kind of just started pulling away, and then Jalen Brown brought us back down to earth, and then Tatum ended up doing something. So there was like a very good stretch there where like it was just pretty much Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because they ended up shooting. You know, the Celtics were two of fourteen uh, outside of Jason and, and Jalen early on, and they were only down six points. So uh, the shots were not dropping for everybody early on. And Giannis, we talked about Giannis being so great and how he's the best player in the world. 10 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists in the first quarter. Uh, <laughs> that's that's some juicy, juicy stat line stuff right there. No, that is frankly just ridiculous, Pat. I said this to you earlier, but 
there was two minutes and 53 seconds left in the first quarter. And I think Giannis, well, the stat was eight, eight, and six. I was like, what? I literally thought the scoreboard operator messed up um, because I don't know how you possibly get those stats in, in like nine minutes. But if anyone can do it, it's Giannis. So like you said, it was not a great start, really. I mean, it didn't feel good right away. But uh, like you said, you know, we were able to bring it back down. I think Jalen at the end of the quarter getting like that big play you know, bringing the lead back down. I think it was six, you know, from nine. Yeah, yeah. the Celtics Celtics shot, what, 29% in that first quarter. They were 2-10 inside the point line, three-point line, and they gave up seven points on turnovers, and we had zero points off turnovers. So the Bucks, and then you talk about Giannis, right? It said 10 points, eight, eight rebounds, six assists in the 11 minutes, and they were only down six. I think that, that was like a building point, though. 100%. No, 100%, right. The fact that we were able to get it down a little bit, down to six and they they threw a great job and we you know weren't even we didn't get knocked down we didn't even really get staggered you know we just ate the punch and we're ready to go quarter two um so the Celtics played a little better and but Pat I gotta say you know listen I don't want a victory I don't really like victory lapping I don't love tooting my own horn but when you asked me about how Grant could get himself back into the flow of things by playing well I said it was very simple He's got to stop doing too much, and he's got to trust his jump shot and, you know, do what has made him such a good player this year. And he did that beyond my wildest imagination. He was taking, like I mentioned at the top of the show, 18 threes from Grant Williams. He was 7 of 18. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are yelling at their TV sets or at the game, stop shooting, because at one point he wasn't shooting very well. But you've got to take advantage of the looks that are open, you, and you've got to trust your teammates and yourself. And in this case, Grant was that guy, and he kept firing, and I'm sure glad he did because he was the game's leading scorer, Pat. Okay, anybody who bet Grant Williams being the game's leading scorer is rolling in money right now because I'm sure that line was like plus 100,000. Okay. Uh, but I don't even know if that was even an option to bet yeah, because they would have thought it was just too ridiculous. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, it's going to be Giannis or it's going to be Tatum or it's going to be Brown. Like, come on, you know, like. Or even Drew, like, come on, Grant is probably like Al Horford probably had more odds to to leave. Smart definitely would too. You know, Grant's probably pretty far down that list. But shout out to Grant, man, he got it done in the game seven in the biggest moment. And he said himself in the post game presser, he was like, they asked him, you know, did this feel different in a game seven? He was like, yeah, that's why I kind of missed the shots in the beginning. I was excited, I was rushing, and then he's like, I just had to take my time. And he mentioned this. He said, even when guys were flying at me, and that is one thing I will give him. Because people were closing out and jumping, you know, hard to his shots at a certain point of the game. You know, it's not like they were maybe contested, you know, greatly up close. But guys were flying at him, and that affects your jumper. So to see him just calmly knock those down was huge. And Pat, Grant made himself a lot of money last night. He really did. I believe that. Oh, you're talking about the extension it's that he's having, up for yeah, this summer. Yeah, I think huh? a lot of people, you know, some people were saying things as low as four for 40 earlier this year, which felt like a low ball to me. And then people were telling me that they didn't want to give him four for 48, which feels pretty fair and, and, and honestly like a steal for the Celtics. But he's going to make more than that with the cap. I'm thinking four for 60 is, is somewhere around I'm right there, 460, 580, something like that. 580 yeah, is a little no, boost, but you get that extra, a little more annually, but you get that extra year, you know. Uh, I, I agree with you. I would say 460, 464, something like that. 100% agree. Well deserved, though. I, no, th- I think we could both agree that that's money that I, I'm willing to even spend. I, like 100%. And I just, but I just think that if you said that to Celtics fans, or even fans, NBA fans, three months ago, 
they're not saying the same, but his performance in this playoffs and especially in that game seven, I think shows his value to this team and just to any team really. So shout out to Grant Williams, man, all around great guy. If you know, if you didn't watch the press conference, anybody who's listening, I just, you should just go check it out. I mean, it was a really great, it was like a really great press conference. Grant's a great, great answer at uh, uh, when it comes to, you know, the media and stuff. Oh yeah. You gotta love uh, Grant Williams there and, and definitely was a Grant Williams type of night. But I also don't want to take things too far away because, like, Jason Tatum was fantastic in this first half. Like, he was surgical again. Like, whatever happened in game six, he kind of carried it on into game seven. And it kind of looked like it was – we were going into, like, oh, man, Tatum's going to have another big night, you know. Uh, Outside of, obviously, he gets in some foul trouble and stuff like that. That kind of stops him from – continuing his flow but i thought jason tatum was doing a lot of good things he was hitting his threes really efficiently i think he started off the game four or four from downtown uh, he's he really was good in the mid-range he was getting to the line he was just he was controlling the game and he's getting his points within the flow of things him and Jalen brown were both really good in that first half and and ultimately carried a lot of the offensive load before grant williams kind of did more of his damage in the second half and then we had that third quarter i think the third quarter was interesting and shocking in the results uh how kind of like just unraveled right like i think you and i both would have been like ah jason tatum gets his fourth foul with 744 left in the third this is gonna be tough like i think me and you both would have been like oh we probably if we were in the same room we looked at each other and probably made it like a look like like oh my god like we're in trouble it was tough i mean those right there were those the the series defining minutes right there because that was huge, him getting his foul. And I was just praying that the Celtics would, um, you know, hold the lead. You know, even if they if it was a little bit smaller, I just hoped by the time that Tatum got back in, you know, the lead would still be in the Celtics. But actually, they maintained the lead that they had. And it was really impressive. And I got to say, shout out to the guy, Peyton Pritchard, man. The Celtics offense, you know, he's kind of an instant offense. And I think Ime, it clearly looked like Ime said to him, like, we need you like you're on the floor to get some buckets right now. So find your shots and take, you know, take some open threes. And that's exactly what he did. He was cooking off the dribble, off the catch. The garden was on fire in that little stretch. The place was rocking. And I'm not going to be so dramatic to say that Peyton Pritchard saved our season, but those shots were instrumental into making sure that, uh, you know, we had a game. We had a game to play on Tuesday. He may have not have made our season, but I think, Lucas, we can both agree that throughout this this year, the first half of the Celtics were ones trying to win as individuals, and the second half of the year was a, a team trying to win as a complete unit. And they displayed that even in the hardest of of the playoffs, you know, the hardest moments of the, of the game, and you're talking about game seven, season on the line, they didn't go back to old habits. They went – to what has worked in the second half of the year. And they relied on each other and they showed trust in one another. And ultimately were a team that came together collectively and took down the defending champions, the Bucks, in a dominant fashion at home in a game seven, which was ultimately really impressive. Oh, it was insanely impressive, really. Um, you know, that third quarter, like, before that Tatum foul, I mean, that was absolutely – I mean, even after. But, like, in the beginning of that, the first five minutes of that that third quarter, I'm thinking to myself, this couldn't be going any better right now. 
like the Celtics came out and pretty much played a perfect third quarter. I don't, I'm not even sure what their turnover numbers or what their offensive rebound numbers or their shooting splits specifically were, but I know they were good because it felt like it was a perfect flawless quarter. Ime musta, you know, lit a fire underneath them at halftime and uh, really got them to come out playing because I'm not going to say the game felt over in the third. I would say it was probably five minutes into the fourth where I really felt like, okay, you know, the Bucks are kind of dead in the water right now, but that third quarter, Pat, was that was a championship quarter right there, and I 100% agree with what you're saying. It was so – I'm not going to say, like it, – it was rewarding to see the Celtics, you know, lean into their good habits when the season was on the line. Yeah, you know you lose your best player for uh, in the final seven minutes and, and plus, and you go plus five in that time period. Like, you were built on elite. It was – you were only up, you know, 10 points when Tatum goes out. 10-point lead with almost a whole third quarter left, and a lot of things could go wrong in that. And the team ended up going into the fourth quarter with a 15-point lead. You had Grant Williams with 22 points. Tatum had 20, even though he didn't play any of that third. That's why I said his first half was brilliant. Brown had 19 points going into the fourth. And then, you know, they they had 12 turnovers, but the, so they also caused 12 turnovers. So it was like they were, they were just kind of balancing everything out. And you look on the other side of the thing, and you're like, all right, cool. The Celtics almost have three guys who have 20 points. You know, Jalen Brown at 19. It was Giannis at 23, and then you had Holiday and Lopez, 16 and 13 points. So the Bucs were just struggling to find any help around Giannis. And, and yeah, I think that's where Chris Middleton, you know, not having him really factors in. Absolutely. Yeah, you're talking You're talking about a Bucks team that won a championship with Chris Middleton there. and. Arguably, I and I get what Drew Holiday brings as as a defender, and I don't like downplay that. But I think Chris Middleton's the second best player in the box. I I just think that what Chris Middleton's able to do, he's still an above average defender, and his ability to be so consistent and lethal on the offensive side, and it it just plays so much more into what Giannis needs next to him. As much as I respect Drew, like Drew was getting some good looks and couldn't hit him because. Drew's more of a playmaking defensive guard. You know, he can be offensively hot sometimes, but the type of shots he was getting, if you gave that to Chris Middleton, I think it it would have been a lot more rough uh, for yeah. the Celtics. And, and Middleton, you know, in the playoffs is a guy, his game, he can just bail you out of a bad possession because he has good size, good length. He has a good jump shot, a pretty good ISO package. You know, so we can just rise up and get a bucket when nothing's really shaken in your offensive sets, and I think that's something the Bucks lack. With Giannis not having a uh, consistent perimeter jumper, although it felt like times he was shooting the ball amazingly, you know we can all admit if this guy had a consistent jumper, you know he would be like averaging fifty points a game, and you know simply he just doesn't have that consistent jumper yet. So that's you know kind of what Chris Middleton bailed them out of, you know tough tough possessions like that, end of games, things of that nature. So they definitely missed him, and I said it at the top of the series too, you know at the. Um, before the series started, you know, Drew Holiday, he might have a game here where he goes for 25, 26, but Drew Holiday is a 19 through 20, like 22, 23 point per game guy. That's just what he is. He's never been a giant scorer. And I think, you know, handling such a massive, like, responsibility offensively and defensively, I think both caught up to Drew and Giannis there in the second half, if I'm being completely frank, because we saw Giannis miss some shots he wouldn't take. We, he wouldn't normally miss, excuse me. And I saw Drew take some shots that just 
for my money, had pretty much zero, very low chance of going in. You know, when he released him, I felt great about the possession, great about the shot. So I think the Celtics finally got to mm-hmm. wear down, you know, the beast that is Giannis. And I think Drew, after handling such a big load on both sides of the ball, finally kind of just broke down there. And then it was too much. We were too much for the Celtics to handle, Pat. You know what? I got to say, Pat, <laughs> I got to say it. You already know it's coming here. Oh, um, here it comes. Yes, I picked the Bucks. I, I know, know I picked the crushed, Bucks. I know you're crushed. Your prediction did not come true about the. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I'm I'm super ecstatic. Super ecstatic. <laughs> hey, man, uh, I I thought the Celtics you needed a lot of. I didn't. I didn't. I just didn't know. I I wasn't more so of what the Celtics could do. I was just like, I don't know if Giannis slows down, and you know what? He slowed down. Like it, the Celtics did it. I don't. I shouldn't have questioned him after KD. I just. I think I put Giannis on the. You know how we went into the series against the Nets, and a lot of people just put KD on this pedestal. I was like, oh, Nets have to get at least two games from KD. Like, it's guaranteed. I put a pedestal for Giannis. Giannis was my KD. You know, I was like, oh, no, there's like, Giannis is just going to be able to bully the Celtics. And if it goes seven games, he's just not going to let, let them lose. He's not going to lose two straight, you know? And ultimately, I'm happy to be wrong. And, here I am, you know, happy to be wrong. Celtics ended up winning, and we are not doing an off-season podcast. Yes, sir, and I am happy that my good feeling that I had on the you know pregame seven show was not coming from nowhere. It was not biased. I did have a good feeling about how things would go, and you know, it didn't. Just like we agreed upon, Pat, it did not take some massive Jason Tatum game in order us for to, for us to get over the hump. We had to have a little bit from everybody. Smart had to play a good game, which he did. Double-digit assist game. Wonderful game from Smart. Pritchard contributed scoring more than he had the entire series. Derek White was iffy offensively, but he hit one of his two threes. Was a good decision maker, a good defender. Grant went Kelly Olynyk. Jalen, actually, Jalen played a good game. I mean, it wasn't eye-popping, but he, he played well. He shot well, especially in that third quarter, Pat. I think he was, uh, what, four, six, nine points in that third quarter. Really helped us. You know, yeah. help that lead, you know, increase and stay afloat there with Jason off the court. So that was huge. And then Al, just the unsung hero. I mean, he had, I believe he had six assists, didn't score a lot, but he played amazing defense, rebounded the ball well. And uh, just overall a great leader. I'm trying to think of who am I missing right now? Tice, actually. I'll also say, Pat, this is Tice's game, best game of the series, in my opinion. I know he had a lot better scoring game early, but this was Tice's best defensive game of the series, and I don't want that to go unnoticed. No, he, he definitely contributed well on the defensive side of things. Um, thought he did really good uh, defensively. He had a couple opportunities to, to score. Uh, didn't didn't do too much with them. Um, but I mean, you're riding the guy like Grant Williams, I and mean, Grant Williams was kind of like the main star of the night. I mean, you're talking about Jalen Brown didn't even have a point in the fourth quarter. He had zero points, and the Celtics were able to just kind of take this one. I think what Jason Tatum had 20 going into the fourth. He finished with what 23, 24. Seriously, so Tatum had less than five points. If Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum combined for less than five points in the fourth quarter and you continue just to blow the team out, defending champs, that's that's just insane. But it also goes to show that Peyton Pritchard put the game on ice. He did. Like The game was pretty out of reach, but there's still a slim margin, right? But when Pritchard came in and started hitting those shots, those felt like those were nails in the coffin. Like That was like, boom, all right, that coffin's locked. There's there's n- they're done. Like they, they literally defeated the Bucks at that point, and Boston just rode it, the the guys all the way to the end there. And then the fact that they were able to even, you know, 
unload the benches with over two minutes left in this game just shows you how dominant they were as far as closing out game seven on, on at home. Like uh, Celtics ended up taking a 109-81 victory. That's they're headed to Miami, man. Their their focus point now is on Miami. Job's not done yet. Twenty eight point victory on home court, and we also saw Aaron Three Smith, baby. We we saw Aaron Three Smith, and we also got to see Malik three. I don't have a pun. We got to see Malik Fitz hit a three as well. You know, honestly, the garden was electric for those. It was pretty funny. It felt like the you know the guys down the stretch couldn't miss. Like at the end of the game. That was probably a pretty cool experience to play in front of that rowdy crowd for them, even though it was like, you know, pretty, you know, not, not important minutes, but it's still good to get some run out there, you know, in a game seven, regardless of what the situation is. And I also just got to say, I just want to say great series. I mean, Pat, top to bottom. I mean, the Bucks put up a phenomenal fight without their second best player in my eyes and in your eyes. Um, they have the best player in the world. And they really made the Celtics earn every single thing, and I think we were just a little bit too much for them. But I, I have a lot of people I know do not like Giannis, do not like the Bucks because of the series list, and I have the utmost respect for them, honestly. The way they battled, a lot of the role the role players were battling, like specifically Pat Connaughton. You know, he went 0-6 in Game Seven. That was probably tough on him being back home. But a shout out to to the Bucks for a great series, man. And I know we're going to be playing and you know, again in the future. So this this is not going to be the last of uh, of the battles the Celtics and the Bucks have in the playoffs here. No, I don't. I don't think this is the last time we'll see Tatum and Giannis uh, cross paths in in the playoffs at all. And then um, another thing that that kind of goes here with the stats is um, the record for the Celtics uh, Tatum and Brown combo. Right in their first fifty five playoff games together. Do you know what their record is? Sorry, how many games was that? 55. How many games have they lost in the playoffs? When they both were active and playing, you're saying? or just Yeah, they just playing, yeah, t- together. Just playoff games together. They okay. played 55 playoff games together. What was their record? Um, hold on, let me think. Um, I'm going to say 39 and 16. Damn, you, you gave them more than that. Whew. They were thirty-three and twenty-two. Oh, okay, that was close. That was close. What do you think Jordan and Pippen's first fifty-five playoff games together were? Uh, thirty-three and twenty-two. You're correct. They have the same. They have the same. Oh. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say nothing, but what you're saying is Jason Tatum is the next Michael. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <sighs> you know, I I feel like I, you may have caught me saying more crazy things before, but uh, that would be definitely up there. Uh, yeah, that would, that would be up there. Um, but the yeah. series record in, in those first 55 playoff games together, Jason Tatum and, and Jason Brown were are seven and three and Jordan and Pippen were eight and three in those series. So um, also similar series records. So they're, they're really identical in that sense. And uh, another, Ooh, for you, Pat, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know. One other thing here I wanted to point out uh, was that uh, just a reminder: the Celtics drafted and developed a lot of the players that are on the team. Right? You got Grant Williams, leading scorer of the night; Jason Tatum, second leading scorer; oh, Jalen Brown, third leading scorer; oh, fourth leading scorer, Peyton Pritchard; oh, fifth leading scorer. Oh, that's Marcus Smart. <laughs> oh, the top five scores for the Celtics in this game. All drafted for the Boston Celtics. 
shout out to the development of these players. And I, I know sometimes that at, there was moments that even me and Lucas would get frustrated with waiting to develop guys. And we just wanted to trade them and just like get like guys that are good. But honestly, the develop factor has definitely paid off to some extent with this team. And we're seeing it now as it comes to fruition, because, you know, if we would end up trading Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard for, for one guy who's really proven. Who knows, who knows if that ends up working out for the Celtics, but all we know is we have Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard and they play great. Yes, sir. Built, not bought, Pat. That's what I like to say. This team was built, not bought. You know, honestly, the teams in the playoffs are all built, not bought, really. I mean, you know, the Heat, obviously, they signed Jimmy, but they drafted Bam. They drafted a lot of those guys that are playing. Tyler Hero, all the role players. Um, They made a couple big acquisitions like him and Kyle Lowry, but the Warriors, that team is most definitely built and not bought. Okay, this is not the KD Warriors. And the Mavericks, same thing. So, uh, you know, I like that friend is, you know, kind of taking over, you know, the NBA. And there's there's not any super teams left. There's just a bunch of really good homegrown built teams. Obviously, there's a few teams that could maybe slide into the super team category, but I really don't think so. So I love to see that. Um, but Pat, I have a couple, couple trivia questions here for you. The first one, I'm going to give you an easy one. Or not an easy one, but you might have seen it. With the Celtics winning this Eastern Conference semifinals, they are now entering their blank number Eastern Conference Finals. So which how many Eastern Conference Finals have they been to, including this one? Wow. That's I have not seen the stat line. So I am oh, okay. oh, this and this is kid this okay, I'll give you a hint off the rip then. It's it's honestly a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm guessing forty seven. Oh, so close. It was thirty seven. Thirty seven. Okay, that that's not as close. You you made me just feel like I was like Three or four off, man. That was ten. Well, mostly because you, you got the seven, and Kathy was on the money in the chat here with the thirty-seven. Um, so yeah, that's just unbelievably impressive. Just goes to show how successful the Celtics have been as a franchise. It's honestly that number was everywhere, apparently. So I guess I don't pay attention to everywhere. No. I, li- I live under a rock. Clearly, you know, Patrick Starfish. Be more online. No, but uh, okay. And then my second, my second one is uh, this is going to be a fun one. So. In game sevens, okay, who, what four players have the most three-point maids in a single game seven in Celtics history? In Celtics history? Ray Allen? Wow, he's not in there? Is Grant in there, obviously? Grant is number one. He actually tied the record with Steph Curry and Marcus Morris for most three-pointers made in a game seven history. So Grant is in there. And this is kind of a trick question. Okay. What's what's the trick question? No, no, okay. Do you want me to just give you the answer? I mean you can well, the other the other three? Yeah, there's three more. Are so, they are they all pre two thousand? Because I won't get them. No, they are all from twenty eighteen or more recently. Oh, as uh Kelly Olinick? No. Oh, okay. What about um, Isaiah Thomas? No. Avery Bradley. No, no, no. no. I'm tripping. 2018. Ky- Ky- so Kyrie? Is, uh, Kyrie didn't have it. No. No, Kyrie's replacement, though. Oh, Scary Terry. He definitely had that. It was Scary Terry against the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks. Exactly. The, the Bucks. Bucks. How did I space that one, man? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a big one. He made five. 
threes in that. Yeah, game. he crossed up Bledsoe and made him stand there. Yeah, twenty six nine and six for Rozier that game. Well, that game seven, phenomenal game. Um, oh man! And the reason, Pat, that it's a trick question is that the two remaining players are also from yesterday's game. Oh, who was it? Tatum. Tatum. Yep. And Jalen. And Pritchard. Pritchard, Pritchard. made four. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So three of the four best three-point shooting games, game seven. In a game two. seven. I guess Larry I guess Larry never really went to game sevens like that. Exactly. I, Larry, Larry got him out of there before game seven. Okay. That but, makes uh, sense. Yes, it is Grant, Jason, Terry, and Peyton Pritchard at the top four. So I thought – That's a wild list. I thought that was pretty funny. Also, Eddie House, Jason Tatum, and Paul Pierce also have all made four as well. So I just, I just wanted to, you know, their time. But I just thought that was funny. So Grant – Eddie House was in the house, actually, right? He was, as was Paul Pierce, the truth. Honestly, Pat, a lot of people showed out for this game. You know, Bob Kraft, Mac Jones, your boy Mac Jones, Kendrick Bourne, who also is a former Niner, so I know you love him. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm such a big Mac Jones guy. That's my guy. I got to dap up, Pat. I, got, I dapped up Kendrick Bourne. He's a good guy. I talked to him for a little bit. Uh, but uh, that was pretty cool. A lot of ce- celebrities for Boston, I should say, in the house because – this is not oh, Steve Aoki was there too, Pat. But uh, we don't have to do too long on the on the uh, celebrities that were in the building. But listen, celebrities being at Boston sporting events is a rarity. So you know you got to kind of cherish it when uh, when that moment strikes. Definitely got to cherish it. Yeah. Um, there's I only got like one other thing here I want to just touch on about this Buck series, and we can move on to the preview here for mm-hmm. the Heat. Unless you got some other things you'd like mm-hmm. to add. Uh, the Celtics forced Giannis into 36 turnovers in this series. I want to put that into perspective here, right? And, and how this defense has played to this point, the most he's ever turned it over in a series was, was last year against Brooklyn. And then this year was eight more than that. So eight more turnovers and that's huge. Eight more turnovers is not a, not a small gap difference as well as limiting him to 45.7% field goal shooting was also his fourth lowest in a playoff series and his lowest in a, a seven-game series ever. So just to put that in perspective, this this Celtics team not only proved yeah. that they can play elite defense against one of the most elite uh, pure scorers in Kevin Durant, but you're talking about the who we, me and Lucas, definitely think that Giannis is the best player in the world. They were able to limit him and, and control – that not exactly stop him. It's not about stopping great players. It's about limiting them, making it harder, and having them do things in a less efficient way. And the Celtics were able to do that. And the reason I bring up this point is mainly because it's just going to be insane when they go from the these two guys that they had to focus on, and then they're going to go into the third series. And I think they're going to be going against a guy who I feel is like not in that tier. And it's no disrespect to him, but... Seeing that this defense is elite and it proved it, you know, do it once. Cool. First round, do it once. All right, you, you got KD. Maybe threw him off. Now you got Giannis. Now we just did it twice. So one times could be considered luck. Two times you proved it. So I'm excited to see how this defense continues going forward, and uh, I'm really excited for this next series. Absolutely. And I agree that I don't uh, – no disrespect to Jimmy Butler – but he is not on the same level of score as Giannis 
or as Kevin Durant. Um, but what I do think makes Jimmy, you know, we can just go right here into the heat. What I do think makes Jimmy a little bit different is that, you know, he's more of a wing style player like Kevin Durant. But I think the big difference between those two, you know, besides the fact that KD is bigger and a better score, is that you can't necessarily play Jimmy the same way as Kevin because he is such a good creator for others. He can get the ball in his teammates' hands. He can make really good reads off the dribble, off the pick and roll. He can be, you know, sort of a de facto point guard, which was never really KD's game. Um, Not that it ever should have been, but Jimmy Butler is just much better in that role. So Jimmy Butler is a guy that if you overcommit to help him can make you pay, you know, for sending so much help to him. So I'm really intrigued to see how uh, Mr. Udoka, you know, schemes against the Celtic or against the Heat because he's clearly a brilliant defensive mind. And I just want to say that he should have been top five or he should have been top three for coach of the year. Because like you said before the show to me, Pat, there's not even five coaches left and Ime was number five. So how does that make any sense? I know that's a bit black. It's a regular season award, but even then you go rookie coach, (laughs) second seed, 50 plus wins. And now he's in the Eastern conference finals as a rookie coach. I'm just saying he's doing some crazy stuff as a rookie coach. And I don't think people are putting enough, you know, into that. Like they're definitely kind of just overshadowing what Ime has done. And on top of it, he's leading, he's a leader of a team whose best player is 24, 24 years old. Like he's still like, this team is so young. That's something that people still forget about the Celtics is like 24 and 25 are your two best players. Do you not realize that Giannis is 27? Like you normally don't win. Like if you look back at superstars who kind of even win championships in general or kind of like championship contenders, they're normally in 26 to 28 range when they first kind of get that first chip and you got a guy like jason tatum who's 24 on the best the best player on his team on a team that has the ability to be a contender this year possibly go after a first championship like that's insane that's insanity and uh, i give a lot of credit to Ime. i know the players also put in that work as well but Ime just being getting an opportunity to to display and adjust and watch this team grow throughout the season has definitely not gone overlooked on our podcast and as, as us individuals. We have noticed everything Ime has done and have appreciated it. And honestly, we're we're honestly blessed to have Ime as the coach for the next few years for however long he decides to stay as the Boston Celtics. I am more than happy today. I would ex- I would extend this guy for 10 years if I could right now. Uh, I don't know how high you feel about that, Lucas, but give Brad Stevens 10 years and give Emei 10 years, and let's see what happens. 100%. Uh, 100%. Also, just quick correction, um, Emei was fourth in coach of the year, not fifth. So there I go, making a mistake. But, Pat, I'm right there with you, honestly. Uh, I would extend Emei for 20 years, okay? I'm just going to double you up there because – I am so confident in this guy. God, I think so. So lifetime, can we just jump to lifetime and come together? I, I, I would honestly, man. Sorry, shake hands. Yeah, but we just we just virtually shook hands, guys. Just letting y'all know. And uh, because God, you know, I remember when we did the welcome email Doka podcast. I actually think that was my first podcast in the show. But we were we were very positive it and was. very hopeful about what Ime could be because of his past track record, um, and you know, just his defensive mind. You know, get. Get back to the Celtics, you know, get them an identity, make them a hard team to score on, take getting scored on personally. Like, 
and it has bared itself out in even more than I think we could have imagined. And that is just shout out to Eman because, you know, being a first year head coach to get this far, be this successful is really impressive. And honestly, I'm going to say something here that probably sounds more in line for, you know, before, before a game seven podcast, as opposed to after game seven is that just soak it in, man. If you're a fan, Try not to be so reactionary about things. I know it's hard. You know, uh, we all have emotional investments in this team. But like Pat said, we have a young pair of stars on our hands. We have a young superstar coach. We have an elite front office guy so far who was formerly our coach, who we are very, you know, attached to. We have a guy like Marcus Smart, whose jersey will hang in the rafters one day for leaving it all on the court. We have great drafted role players in Grant and Peyton, like, just take a moment to appreciate how far the Celtics team has come, not only in this season alone, but the past few seasons as well. And even since, what, 2014, 15, when we were watching Gerald Wallace, Brandon Bass, I love those guys, but we're in a lot different spot now, you know, than we were then. And uh, it's only not even a decade later. So I absolutely love where we're at. I think just fans should take a moment to appreciate, you know, what we get to watch as a team. And, you know, regardless of the outcome of Miami, spoiler, it's going to be a victory. Um, but uh, regardless of what happens there in the Miami series, I, uh, you know, I just want everybody to appreciate what a phenomenal season and, you know, just growth this team has shown over the past year, two or three years. Yeah. And then we, we go into this heat series now and some might say that we've, we might be running out of gas. I feel like that's a narrative that's that's pretty big out there. Like, oh, they just played the Bucks seven game series, and they're going into this Heat series. He haven't really had to play anybody. Um, heat are going to have more energy, you know, and stuff like that. But how I'm kind of seen as it is, I think the Celtics are more battle tested and battle ready now for the Heat than the Heat are for them, and so. What what really stuck out to me in the Bucks series was Game One when the Bucks came out and just rocked us. Right, we we smacked up the Nets and beat them in four games, and we thought things. We thought, oh, okay, this, the playoffs are sweet for us. We just knocked out everybody. Thought the Nets possibly could knock us out. They were scared of them. We just swept them. So then we go into this Bucks series, and we got knocked right on our butt. Game one, got told like, hey, this isn't going to be sweet. I kind of feel like the Celtics turn now in a game one is to, to knock the heat on their butt and be like, this ain't sweet. And we know what it takes to go through a whole series and knock people out. So I I'm really intrigued by how the Celtics team comes out in game one, but I think they're going to come out in a very big way. There's a lot of matchups that I like as far as the Celtics. And overall, I just think this is a good opportunity for the Celtics team to, to take advantage of, of some, things that the heat don't do very well especially uh they're they're smaller guards man they have a lot of smaller guards i think the guards and the bucks were definitely a bit more physical at times outside of like allen and then you also have the bigs you know having Giannis and brooke lopez are in protect uh, i don't know man bam bam can only do so much so i'm excited to see the celtics also get more paint touches because at the end of the day you're not gonna have to worry about like Giannis and um, talk about Giannis and Brooke Lopez, you know, back there. You're only talking about Bam, and I think Tatum, Tatum might still have a little. I hope he watches that that dunk that he almost had, and Bam blocked him. I hope that's on replay right now because if Tatum goes into the mindset of the series with that on replay, and like 
that's the fire that's burning within them. I think the Heat could be the ones that are are under a little bit of distress early on in the series. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially with Kyle Lowry missing Game One, um, I think the Celtics have a real chance to go down to Miami and set the tone. And I know we're coming off a much harder fought series than the than the Heat. So, you know, I would not be surprised at all with the Heat victory in game one just off the fact that, you know, I think everybody can admit we probably played a little bit of a tougher battle. Not that the Sixer series wasn't a battle. It didn't go seven games. You know, we played an incredibly physical, you know, superstar in Giannis getting bumped, you know, the whole time, you know, lowering his shoulder, maybe doing a couple stiff arms here and there. So, you know, I can see the possibility of why uh, the Celtics might lose game one because of that. But Grant said it himself when someone asked him, are you feeling 100%? He said, no, I'm not. But uh, you know what he said? The thing you learn about the NBA playoffs is nobody's feeling 100% at this point. So it's not like the Heat are all, like, you know, fresh and ready to go, like, you know, way more than the Celtics will be. Um, you know, I know the Heat organization likes to have their players in great conditioning. So they won't be probably worn down you know, as easily as maybe the, the Nets were. I'm not going to say easily for the Bucks because it literally took six and three quarters game for them to really be worn down. But I think it'll be a battle, Pat. You know, I think that I think that we go in there and take game one. I, I, I'm leaning that way right now. I'm leaning that way. I'm not guaranteeing it, but I'm leaning that the Celtics uh, win game one here. I'm not going to say out there and guarantee it, especially after. You know what? I'm going to do it. I have to make up for it. I'm going to guarantee the Celtics win game one in Miami. And I think they're going to do it in a fashion that's going to probably open the eyes of a lot of people. I'm I'm guessing a double-digit victory as well. I'm not just saying a victory, but I'm saying like a double-digit victory. I think Boston's going to come in there and honestly blow, blow the doors off of Miami. I think that they have this type of swagger and but also like locked in this team is super locked in right now and honestly i don't see who can stop tatum who's matching tatum we're finally you're talking about we've just played two series and won two series with tatum not even being the best player on the court and now you're gonna tell me he's the best player in the series ah man i'm salivating i'm looking at this team and like all right now we get to really prove ourselves. We we can stamp ourselves right here in this series. Let's come out game one and let's let's take away that home court advantage that the Heat have, and let's swing things back in our favor. And I think the Celtics have the ability to definitely do that in game one. Uh, I just I got all the faith in the world. Also, it's nice to know that Rob Williams is going to be back with no minutes restrictions. We know Marcus Smart has this foot issue, but the uh, X rays came back uh, negative. There's no. Uh, no uh, issue with his foot as far as structural wise. So a little bit of a, a sore foot on his side. Uh, I think he has a strained foot. So I'm just excited to see the Celtics team. I think they're coming to Miami. I think Marcus Smart plays. I think Robert Williams plays. And I think the Celtics win in a big way behind Jason Tatum's performance. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely love a double-digit victory in game one, Patrick. I... Don't know if I can go all the way there. You know, I, like I said, I am leaning the Celtics, and I think a big reason for that is is that, especially without Kyle Lowry, I think the Celtics' defense is going to be able to largely contain Miami's half-court offense. You know, once again, limiting transition opportunities, just like this series. And honestly, just like any series, man, you cannot turn the ball over. 
and give the other team chances to get out and run and get easy buckets. So I think if we can limit transition, limit the offensive rebounds, which I think will be probably a little bit easier to hear than the Bucs. Um, if we can do that, I think the Celtics have a really, really great chance to uh, to win not only game one, but win the series as well. So that's just personally where my confidence comes from. I know both teams are very good defensively. I think I'll give the Celtics a slight edge there. And I think in half-court offense, I'm giving the Celtics the edge. Um, so that's where my confidence comes from, especially with no Kyle Lowry. I don't think, we, Patrick, if we see a Tyler, a Tyler Hero 39-point game, I'll buy his jersey. I'm put, making my profile picture, I swear, because that's how confident I am that it's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, that's really where, you know, my source of confidence comes from. And then, like you said, Patton, Jason Tatum is the best player in the series, unarguably, right? So, yeah, I think, I think it's a pretty clear one to it. I, I, and that's no slight to Jimmy Butler, but let's, I love Jimmy. Jimmy to me is not even top 10 player in the league. He's top 15 though. And there's, and I know you're splitting hairs at that point, but I think Tatum is, you know, closer to that top five range, and Jimmy's more closer to 15. Here's a question for you, Lucas. Would you have Butler closer in rankings to Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? That's tough. That is tough. I would probably say Jason. But it's probably about the same either way, to be completely honest. He's like right in the middle. Of both, I was gonna right? say that's really yeah about that's where he is yeah. That's why I knew it was gonna be a tough question. Um, before before that we obviously tough. we got our our game one predictions, but I, I'm sure people want to understand like what are some things that you like in in favor of the Celtics in the series, and what are the things that may concern you in the series? I'll, I'll let you go ahead, Lucas. First, uh, you can go with the things that you like. And then I'll go with the things I dislike and we'll see if we, we agree on anything here. Well, I kind of, you know, I just kind of hit the big one there for me about what I do like is, you know, our ability to execute in the half court, I think is going to be better than theirs. Our ability to score in the half court will be better. That's where my big source of confidence, like I said, comes from. As far as like things that we are disadvantaged at, I would say potentially maybe, you know, the Heat have some sh- a, a, a lot of shooters, you know, in some certain lineups. But I don't know if I'm necessarily going to call that a super disadvantage for the Celtics. Like guys like Struess, Gabe Vincent can knock down threes. Obviously, Tyler Hero can make threes. Duncan Robinson, who hasn't seen a lot of the floor in the playoffs, he can obviously make threes. Jimmy Butler, who everybody swears cannot shoot threes because he shoots like crap during the regular season is averaging – he's above 40% on like 4.2, 4.3 attempts a game. So he can shoot. Um, Kyle Lowry we know can shoot. And Deadman can step out and hit it. So I would say the ability to space the floor and Jimmy's ability to like run a pick and roll and you can't just blitz him to prevent him from scoring because if you blitz him and send a ton of defensive attention, he's going to find the open guy. I would say that's something working against the Celtics. Um, and then lastly – no, no, actually, that's pretty much it. I really don't have too many things working against the Celtics. I would just say, you know, their defensive versatility, the Heat, you know, with Bam, Jimmy, Kyle, these guys can all defend really well. Um, so I would say that's what I have working against the Celtics right there. I don't know if you agree with those. You know, I, I'm probably going to say something that, like, if you're a Heat fan, you're probably going to be, like, hating me. But I just think when I look at the Heat, it's a worse version of the Celtics. 
I just I just see a worse version of the Celtics. You know, like I see the role that like Bam plays is is kind of like the Al Horford slash Robert Williams role, right? That defensive guy. He's kind of like a mix of those two guys. And then Jimmy Butler is their their Brown or their Tatum, right? And then Kyle Lowry is kind of like their Marcus Smart. And it's to me is just like I think I'd rather have Marcus Smart right now. I think I'd rather have Tatum right now. Um, yeah, you can have the Bam over over Al Horford or Robert Williams, but like, would you rather have Al Horford and Robert Williams or Bam? And I might lean the taking the two guys to be honest. So the way I look at it is that I see this Heat team, and they do a lot of the things the Celtics do, but just not as well. And that's where the the gap is for me. And I just think the Celtics are a better defensive team. I think we switch better. I think we're better in the half court. And it's not that the Heat aren't good at that. I just think the the Celtics are just better at it. And it, it's not even like way better. It could be slightly better in some areas. Some areas I might think that they're way better in. Uh, the only part of this this whole matchup that I'm like, okay, maybe the Heat kind of have an advantage here. And that's being coaching. And it's it's not even the fact that I think Ime is not a better coach than Eric Spolstra is that it's too early to stamp that, right? So you can't just be like, oh, yeah, I think Ime has the advantage over Spolstra. You can't. I, he's a rookie coach, and at that point, that's an asterisk next to him, and, and you, it's undecided. Like, can Ime be a better coach than Eric Spolstra at the end of the day? Yeah, but I feel like it has to be proven. And Eric Spolstra has done things and as a coach already, obviously, as the championships pedigree as well. He has the ability to make really insanely good adjustments, putting his team in the best optimal position. That can close the gaps in areas for the Celtics as far as being slightly better than them in something. Well, if he adjusts correctly, it can end up making that an even playing field. And that's the kind of issues that I might end up seeing with the Celtics is um, getting out coached. But I also think Gimei's a good mind at the at the head coach position as well to the point that he will adjust on Spolstra's adjustments as well. So it won't be as just easy of – it's going to be a real cat-mouse game with the coaches, and we're not going to know really who the cat is until the end of the series. But one of the things I do really like the the Celtics here is obviously Jason Tatum being the best player. But they, I think they have two of the top three best players in the series, and I'm excited to see – Jason Tatum take advantage of some of the matchups here because I do think he, he's going to have a little bit of an easier job not having to go after uh, Giannis and then having the Nets just double him the whole series. I think the Heat are going to probably throw a little bit of something different at him, but I think he's going to be able to get a lot more successful done. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, as far as the coaching matchup thing here, um, I – I'm going to give the edge to Spo over Ime as much as that pains my soul. But I do think it's – hear me out. Tell me if you think this is reasonable, Pat. The gap between Spo and Ime is smaller than the gap between Ime and Bud. And that's going to sound crazy to some people. But Ime is an adjustment maestro already his first year in the league. And Bud is a good coach. I like the guy. I felt bad watching his press conference because he looked so defeated. Yeah, I know he really wanted to go back-to-back, but he did not make the right adjustments. He barely made any adjustments. Same thing with Steve Nash. He's a new coach. He's not an adjustment maestro. So I think that Ime is like, you know, ascending to be the level of coach that Spo is. Obviously, Ime needs a lot more time in order before anyone or myself is comfortable saying that. 
Um, but I do think that Ime is like is cut from the same cloth as Spo, for lack of a better term. So, you know, I think that they are going to give the advantage, and that's why Patrick. If if we want to get into predictions, I feel like that's why I'm giving the Heat an extra game here. Actually, it comes down to Eric Spolstra, and you know, just his ability to have been in this game. His ability to adjust, like you know, he, yeah. Let, let the people yeah. hear. What's what's your overall series prediction? Because you said an extra game. What is, what is that? So Six or seven? So what are we doing? Yesterday, right after the game, my initial take was that I think the Celtics could win in five. But then I boiled it down. I thought about it more. And you know, out of respect for the Heat, out of respect for Spolstra, you know, their defense. Um, Jimmy, as a player, has been playing phenomenal in the playoffs. I'm giving the. I'm going six, but it's Celtics in six. And I do not think this is a seven-game series. You know, I really don't see it going seven games. And uh, I gave them an extra game over Pat, which kind of lets the cat out the bag there. So I have Celtics in six. And Pat, what do you got him then? Oh, Mr. Predictable over here, you know. Um, I got the Celtics in four. You know, I think uh, – I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm kidding, yo. I was trying oh, to throw oh Lucas really God. off there. Um, no. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got the Celtics in five. And – for some of the reasons like I, I just displayed here is that I just think the Celtics overall are just better as a team. You you look at the eight guys compared to the Heat's eight guys, and I'm taking the Celtics eight every time. And that's not even on a bias type of a front. I just think the roster is just built more more well rounded than the Heat. And I like the the youthfulness that the Celtics have, I think. I think the Heat are getting so much older. Like this bully ball mentality that they like to do, they're not as big of bullies anymore. Like a bully gets washed out, man. Every time uh, a year goes by, man, that bully's going to get older, and there's going to be another. There's going to be another bully on the block that ends up being tougher. And the Celtics right now are the bullies on the block, and nobody else can really argue with that with the way how they play and how strong the defense is. So. I'm just expecting the Celtics to come into Miami, take care of business in game one. Yeah, Miami's going to probably end up winning uh, game two, and then the Celtics are going to rip off three straight and win uh, game five on the road in Miami. And uh, Deuce is going to enjoy some swimming pools. Like He's really excited to go into the swimming pools in Miami, just like you said after the, the Celtics win uh, in oh, game Oh, yes, seven. sir, Patrick. I actually was just watching that clip um, a few minutes <laughs> absolutely adorable deuce is awesome man the celtics are awesome deuce's father is awesome you know the energy has shifted patrick and i think the energy shift is here to stay and i personally cannot wait for the game tomorrow night but that pretty much listen i think that does it for me pat i don't know uh how much deeper we want to get into miami i think it's going to be tough to kind of more like it'll be a lot easier for us to break it down once we see the games play each other because personally, I'm not really sure how Ime is going to match up with the Heat. I think I know what Spo is going to do, like at least matchup wise. I'm not sure what Ime is going to do. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a chess match, man. I think we might see some crazy adjustments in like the halftime. We might see it in each each like quarter. There could be a lot of adjusting, so it'll be interesting to watch what path we decide to go down. Hundred percent. I I absolutely can't wait. I'm excited uh, though, man. I'm excited. I know you're pretty excited. Like we're both. We're oh, pumped. God, We're God. pumped, man. I already wish it was Tuesday. It's about to be Tuesday. And we will try to get some content out to you guys after that game, possibly on Tuesday or Wednesday. We're always at least one or two days within that game. Uh, make sure you guys go ahead and follow us on, at Twitter at Ethos Celtics. 
You can also follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer, me at Ball and Opinions. Also head over to Spotify. Spotify mm-hmm. is a great way to listen to the podcast. We support the love there as well as leaving those five-star ratings now that you can do on Spotify. Also, Apple Podcasts, man. It's very important you guys leave that five-star rating and also write us a review. It helps us climb the ranks of all the Celtics shows and it makes us also feel special and loved as we do try to put in as much work into some Celtics content for you guys. Um, Do you have anything else you'd like to add here, Lucas? Just echoing everything Patrick just said. Toss us a follow on Twitter. Toss the show. Follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, you can also go over to sportsethos.com. Check it out. It's really easy there. Um, you can listen to all the shows there. Like I said, you know, last week, make sure you go check out the uh, Ethos betting page. You know, man, they really, you know, get you right with your sports bets, your fantasy sports, all things of that nature. will be over there at sportsethos.com. So that's pretty much it for me, Pat. Go seas. Hopefully we'll be talking to you after uh, after we come back 1-0, after game one in Miami. Yes, sir. We'll be uh, talking again after the Celtics win by over 15 points in game one. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming by the show. I do hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And make sure you guys follow us. Let's go Celtics, baby. Let's go.